Arts and Adventure Summits the Airwaves. This is the Ogden Arts and Adventure Show. I'm your host, our Brandon Long, along with the greatest host in all the land, co-host in all the land, Todd Obendorfer. And uh, this is the Ogden Arts and Adventure Show. With us today, we have, oh boy, where do, where do I begin, Alex? Alex Docta, Ultra Runner, uh, works for Gold Foundation here in town. What's the official title of Gold Foundation? Uh, operations Manager. Operations yeah. Manager. And of course, Todd, um, because it's the Ogden Arts and Adventure Show, we did this totally on accident. Alex, as an outdoor adventure enthusiast, has an art side to him. He can of sing. Of course. Has a, has vocals. We're not going to put you on the spot, but that I, would I be vocals, fun. Yeah. yeah. What well, if you sang an acapella song? Is it like a band? Is it like a, uh, a guitar? Like a, a solo artist? Or is it like classical? It just, like what do you? What would you? Just love do? songs. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm a I'm a I'm a classic rock rock you okay. know hard rock guy. I grew up. My mom's 20 years difference of me only, so she's quite young. So mm-hmm. grew up listening to her music, and then I grew up listening to, you know, Soundgarden and, you know, Nirvana, and then graduating into Audio Slave and all those, mm-hmm. you know, kind of things. I like uh, that, graduating into Audio Slave. Yeah. Like, we don't start with Audio Slave. Well, you could, but they didn't <laughs> exist, you know. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. But, but kind of like on the rock side, but again, even going back to Journey and stuff, more of like the the real singers that like pushed yeah. har- hard. Can you, you know? push? Can you do a Journey cover? Yeah, I, I could do decent. Wow, you know? that's, um, impre- that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm getting older though. That's the thing. You is watch, the voice, is the voice gone? It's there, but you do see some of the notes begin to slip, you know? Okay. And that's when that midlife crisis starts to slip in because you t- go- Tyler, who was a uh, lead singer of one of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time, just had to suspend their tour because the, he's too old. The vocals are going, they were bleeding actually. Oh, who is it? Uh, Steven Tyler? Steven Tyler, Aer- yes. Aerosmith? Yeah, Aerosmith. Yeah. 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 A guy I haven't seen yet in concert, but oddly enough- can still push pretty well, but mm. he's living on the edge, you know, as I think he's probably saying. Hey, I saw them probably 15 years ago when they were in their 90s. It's a, <laughs> they're doing very well for themselves. He looks like And it was a killer 90s. show, too. Yeah. It was very good, too. They were in their 90s. It was a stadium show. I think that's yeah. all they do is stadium shows, but it yeah. was thousands and thousands of people there, and they killed it. They killed it. In fact, they even had a secondary stage in the... Uh, sort of in the grass and the you know oh, yeah. the cheap seats where I was in the back, you oh. know. They set up a second stage and they did like the the last third of the show, I think, up there. Wow. So they kind of reversed the side. Anyway, Came out and cool. give a little bit yeah, to, it was the, nice. to the to the pop. They know how to take crowd. care of the people. Yeah. 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 Well, you're in the business that long. You better know how to yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, no doubt. And then also, uh tie your tie to the arts is you're married to someone who uh, is in the arts. Yeah. My wife, uh Nicole, is a documentary filmmaker. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how much more I can go on about that and, and speak about what she does without her here. Fair enough. Uh, we'll chat with yeah. her some other time, but <laughs> yeah. it's in the family, that's for sure. But she's cool. Yeah. Yeah. She's cool so you have been in ogden i think it was eight years or something well uh no we've been in ogden since 18 so we came to utah in 15 from wisconsin uh and and lived in uh, mill creek for a while and then and then came up to ogden Mm -hmm. um for a couple reasons mainly outdoors related you Mm -hmm. know the the inversion it's the air quality is about 50 percent better here so that's cool that was kind of driving me nuts um and then I'm an outdoors person, but I'm inherently lazy. And so uh, Ogden <laughs> represented the opportunity to get us a little bit closer to the trails. We, we only actually lived a couple miles away from trails when we bought our place in Mill Creek. But but now we live on the East Bench uh, and, and man, we're one 
we're one house off the national yeah. forest there. And yeah. um, not bad. It's like this secret that's not quite a secret anymore, but Ogden yeah. really has uh, access to trails that is unparalleled to almost any other city in the country. So, so that's what that's what brought us up here. Great, they all know now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just not because of this. Yeah, yeah. it's going to go viral. Uh, very good. So you spend your time on the trails running, right? Typically, yeah, mostly yeah. you do mountain bike. You do just said biking. you just did a massive mountain bike ride recently. Yeah, we did a race in Park City uh, last weekend, weekend before last weekend. Uh, Park City point to point, seventy five miles, um, like. 10 or 12,000 feet of climbing and yeah, pretty epic. It was my first mountain bike race. So it's not like I'm a huge oh, mountain yeah. biker, um, but I like to bite off more than I can chew typically. So, you know, go big in that regard. How'd, and, uh, how'd, how'd you like it? It was good. It was intense and sometimes scary. Do you, either, either of you guys mountain bike? Uh, not to that extent by yeah. any means. Just sort of getting out and playing is all. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the way to do it because what happens is I can climb all day because I have an engine and um, I, that's just built from the lifestyle, I guess. But uh, then you turn into these downhills that are like miles long. And so I'll pass 30 people on the uphill, you know, and slowly as you find a spot to go. And then as soon as you hit the downhill, these guys, like they're flying at like 60 miles an hour. It's scary fast. No fear. Yeah. I mean, you fly off your bike, you could die it feels like you could die yeah. you know and so it was it was cool but it was Do a they little... just have that much confidence in their bike because they of course they're handling of the bike but also you got to trust the equipment yeah too. there's an equipment trust i think that i don't totally have yet and then when you come to tight these tight hairpin corners on downhills um th there's a skill set there that i don't mm. quite have ma like i can get around the corner <laughs> but with but without breaking, yeah. right, like right, it's right. a different deal, you yeah. know. And yeah, there's just kind of like a confidence and bravado in these dudes. Yeah. Um, and I think a little crazy. I think a they're little, a little crazy. Yeah, probably a little at a certain that. level. Not that you don't apply to that as well. Yeah. You probably do. But uh, <laughs> but there is something to be said for that fearlessness. Is you know it's something else. I can't do that. Yeah, I mean, I think they're probably finding in that their zone that you know that kind of the reason i like to move outdoors is that is that that freedom and that resetting and that just kind of being in the absolute now you know i mean absolutely because if you go off the bike you're not with the bike you're not with the trail and you go off like there's serious consequences you know and and most people don't want those consequences so you have no choice but to just be there and that well said. It's kind of the addicting piece of outdoor off-trail athletics because um, it's harder and harder to find in everyday life, you know? So. Well, I asked you before we started, why, what's your draw? And, the, and so what do you, um, and you mentioned it's a great release for you and, and stuff, but is that, is that everything or what's? Yeah, it's, I guess it's, it's, I mean, it's a lot of, it, it's that, it's, it's that finding that kind of oneness, that presentness, that moving meditation. Um, and, and then I grew up in Wisconsin hunting and fishing and, and interacting with the outdoors in lots of different ways. So it's, it's those things too. I mean, I, I, I put in hours on the trail and exploring areas, but, um, the payoffs a lot of times are like, like right now, for instance, there's not a lot of people out running at night, but if you're out with the headlamp right now, mm -hmm. the tarantulas are out on the trail mm -hmm. late summer, early fall. I don't think people understand that how many tarantulas we have right here. They're, they're, they're out amazing. and you only see them at night and yeah. it's so cool and there's nobody out there. And the same thing with the burrowing owls. They're like mm. this big and they're out on the trail. And if a headlight gets in them or a waist light or whatever you got on, they don't fly right away. So you stop 
on the trail. It's pitch dark and there's this little creature there and you just stare at it and you go, huh? As soon as you turn your light away and turn back, it's gone. You know, do it's the like tarantulas magic. scurry or, or do they freeze? And because I'm wondering if you're ever going to step on one. Well. Yeah. Yeah. They, they kind of, I, I've never seen them scurry, but mm. they kind of freeze or kind go of, slow too. Yeah. But, um, mostly they win. I see one. I'm going to go around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if I'm going 60, I'm still going to somehow manage to go yeah. around it. See, I don't want to, I don't want to see what happens when you run over a tarantula. Although you probably just bounce over it. They are that fearless and that amazing. You probably, they have some sort of little force field around them. They're the Chuck Norris of spiders. Yeah. You just yeah. bounce right off those things. Well, therein lies the issue with the bike that I haven't reconciled yet is you are moving so much faster. Um, you know, I, the other couple weeks ago, um, I bunny hopped a rattlesnake, uh, yeah. but I think I touched it with my back tire, you know, and that kind of like a little bit, I'm like, damn, like that sucks. Here's this yeah. dude out here hammering around and like <laughs> no concern for anybody else hits a rattlesnake. And during that point to point race, there was a, um, a ground squirrel that was dead on the trail as I came by it. A lot of fast guys ahead of me and I'm almost sure it got taken out with the bike. Yeah. So, so it, it's, it's funny because I like pushing myself. I like moving fast. I like challenging myself, but there's a little bit of ego in there with that. And you have to juxtapose that with the fact that like, I just like being out in nature and experiencing it and respecting it too. <laughs> and destroying know? it at the but, same time. <laughs> yeah. So like, but you don't want yeah. to do that. You know? Right, so right. how do you find that Unless balance? it's a seagull, in which case, just hit it. Oh yeah. God, Todd Poor hates Todd. seagulls. Isn't yeah. a seagull here? Dead on. It's a, like, state, it's a bird. state bird. Yeah. You probably was, aren't allowed to. I thought that was Deliberately hit here. them, but if you if you need to, I'm fine with that. Yeah. What's the opposite fly. of revere? I say That's whatever Todd I say flying rats, but I like rats way better than seagulls. Wow. Historical, historically, seagulls are, you know, they, they're very important to the culture, but to me, they're just, I got too many bad experiences with seagulls. Yeah. What you had a, you had a couple bad run-ins or? Yeah. What? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay. All right. No, just, it is a podcast. <laughs> so it could be a story there. You can lay down. There's a, it's a couch, you know, we can get into this deep, but it's funny. <laughs> it's petty. It's, it, well, basically what I'm getting at, it's oh, a petty reason, okay. but it, it has sustained. There's, have I told the seagull story? I'm sure I've told the seagull story. I'm willing. I want to hear it again. Once every three I wanna, episodes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so once there, every three episodes. So there, there have been multiple encounters with seagulls, but probably the one turning point was, so in another life, I worked three, uh, three, I worked to live three summers on Catalina Island. Okay. So it's off the coast of California and, uh, and little piece of paradise, great little place. I was working at a restaurant each of those summers and, uh, I had a certain amount of time, a short, short window of time, an opportunity to grab some food and get back to work again. And so everything on the island, this was many years ago, so I'm sure now it's it's even exponentially more expensive. But uh you you sort of shape your life around I have this much time before the shift starts. I gotta get some food. I'm working on a double or something like that, right? And so I get a, a burrito. So I get so I went mm. so about a, a block and a half around. I kind of picture it now waited in line. I get this burrito. I go back to the beach because the restaurant was down on the beach. I set everything out. I got that. <laughs> you know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, no. and so I set everything oh out. God, I, I got the burrito. I got the, my little sauces and things like this. And I am hungry as hell. I have this much time before the shift starts. And, uh, and I, I get everything set up. I get the drink set up just right. This whole ordeal. Right. And then, uh, 
<laughs> and then <laughs> you can see it's like a cartoon is I'm pulling this burrito, which is, you know, it's a pretty good sizable, you know, weighty thing. It's like a Beto size or something. Yeah. Like it's like that, a two know? pounder. Maybe a little less than that, but something like that, right? More than you'd think uh, Seagull could have handled. And uh, <laughs> right over my right shoulder, the Seagull comes in all oh of its God. weight and glory and uh, and snags this, pound, I'm going to say pound and a half burrito probably, yeah. right? Okay. And uh, can't hold the whole thing, but drops it right in front of me. Like in the sand. It drops it yeah. at, at height. Um, and I can't remember if it was a sand or, or a sidewalk, but mm. basically just another big F you where it actually took the food and then it just dropped it right. I mean, just right in front of me. Right. And so, so slow motion, it, it, it three wow. feet down yeah. opens up on the ground. And then he, and about, let's just say 23 of his friends, <laughs> right. <laughs> are attacking this thing. <laughs> and so that yeah. was probably the first step in yeah. my opinion yeah. of seagulls. Right Ugh. now I feel for seagulls in the sense that of like old school bears at Yellowstone where they just ate humans tr trash for years. Right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Seagulls in so many environments are like that too, just kind of eating our scraps and things like that. And so I get that. I get that they are sort of part of that tourist culture, but uh, that story happened at least one other time. But that first one is the one that scarred me. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, I have an issue with seagulls at this point. So. <laughs> I'd like to see how you were holding that burrito because I've never had a seagull try that shit on me. Oh, this was a bold seagull? I wonder if you had a loose this is grip. A seagull. This is a seagull probably like the old school bears at Yellowstone where they have zero fear of humans. Yeah. I mean, zero. I mean, it could have probably taken it out of my hand directly, just walked up beside me, but it was the, the peripheral of the, and these aren't small birds. It was the peripheral of the seagull over the shoulder, just barely you feel the whoosh? My face. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, you know, and then seeing the claws, the yeah. dirty, nasty claws, right. Just snag this thing. And if it had somehow managed to, to, you know, even gotten six feet from me and enjoyed it. But the fact that it was too heavy for it. Yeah. Greedy bastard. And he drops it, but to a point where I can't, couldn't salvage it. Yeah. And it was seconds before swarmed by minimum. Did you get another seagulls. burrito? Did you No time. No time. <laughs> no time. Back to work. Back to work. Another nine oh, hours or whatever God. it was. Another oh. nine hours? Yeah, whatever what the were you doing was. out there? Well, working at a tourist restaurant. Nine know. hours into my 18-hour shift. It was a long shift. Oh. <laughs> yeah. well, Alex, I'll, bump that mic down a little bit so we can see okay. your face. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah, because, you know. You're always um, thinking about us. Well, I like, he's got a good-looking guy. We got to see his face a little yeah. bit. I want to say, um, so Rooster sponsors Van sessions, not necessarily this podcast. Yeah. Maybe we'll get there at some point, but I'm going to crack them. Here, I was going to pull, I was going to do the same thing. Hold on. Let's do it together. Should we do it together? Yeah. Wait, you ready? You ready? Yeah. Okay. God, that was good. So I'd say oh. the next three to 17 minutes is sponsored by mm -hmm. El Dose. Send in the seagulls to knock those beers <laughs> out of your Man. hands. Well, that's why we're in a trailer in, in a building to just re double yeah. protection against the seagulls here. But don't think I don't sometimes feel that invisible yeah. whoosh over my shoulder. I kind of look, it is a little bit of a post-traumatic stress in, in a sense <laughs> of the seagulls. I, I shouldn't be food. laughing. This is a terrible experience. Yeah, but, he, but, yeah, but here is how, now I'm not saying you have to do this because everybody interprets things uniquely. Here's how I would phrase that, you know, or remember that. I mean, that's, 
a pretty unique experience. Unless I guess I haven't dealt with a lot of California seagulls. We get a lot of them in Wisconsin, but oh yeah, the California this, ones are assholes. Here's this bird that swoops by you, grazes you with its wing. You see its talons clenching this burrito, and to me, that's where I'm like, hell yeah, that's a unique experience, you know. Uh, you know what? Okay, here's, but because hunger went along with it, maybe it's traumatic. here's my experience of just the the large birds in general. Because I also worked on a, a small cruise ship up in Alaska, right? Okay, and so we did like the little inside passage based out of Juneau, and so we would have there were so many bald eagles up there that they were like seagulls, like anywhere else, right? And yeah. they were dangerously, notoriously. You know, like you had to be careful, right? And so they went through a spell. I think one of the one of the months I were there, or I was there, where the 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 mailman had to be careful because they were dive bombing the mail when they was delivered. <laughs> and these aren't small birds; these are yeah. these could take your arm off, right? Yeah. And so I don't know how many times I had Alaska is different, man. They build them different. Up they there. do build them different. Yeah. I don't know how many times I had seagulls that would come seagulls very close eagles? if you're near seagulls. seagulls okay. Uh, and eagles. Oh my gosh. They, all the birds. But it was the eagles is the ones that the speed, the velocity is just incredible. And I yeah. think that added to this, this fear slash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I do have an appreciation for what they're able to do. But at the same time, I'm like shaking my head. Got a light fear of raptors going on over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is okay. That's okay. It comes from a he was, he was Yeah, sure. he was reincarnated yeah. for the 90th time. And <laughs> Back in back in dinosaur times, he was killed by a raptor, and so that's your next life. You might yeah. be a seagull if you. you know. <laughs> oh, this geez. is the direction things are going. Yeah. <laughs> well, but the life after that, then you're going to have an appreciation for them. You know. Yeah. That may never happen. I Flying mean, I'm rats. Just, yeah, I don't know. Alex, you, uh, what do you, what is your day job like? What are you your your daily routine? So you work. Um, I mean, would you call this a dream job? I mean, you were a race director for Ragnar, is that correct? For, yeah. For quite some yeah, time. Yeah. Um, and so what? So, sort of what we like to explore on this podcast is um, how to take your passion and turn it into your, your job, you know, your, your life, your life essentially. Uh, and there's so many, it's so funny because you see people who, there's so many ways to get there. Yeah. You see people who are, say, you know, they want to be a dentist because they know that it comes with a couple of things in the end, some money and maybe some, a four-day weekend or a three-day weekend. Babes and babes. And, well, plus those people that just yeah. have mouth fetishes. You Not, know? Well, yeah. I, and I didn't even include that, yeah. which is a whole yeah. other thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so there's there's ways to do it. You can go like on a professional route where you just make a lot of money and then you use that money to sort of buy time and do the thing. Or... You go into that industry. You go into the outdoor industry uh, of arts. I don't know what you do for the arts, Todd. Uh, that was <laughs> a little tougher. We'll try to but, figure that one yeah, out. Yeah, but you're in. You're you spent your life in the outdoor industry, correct? Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I've always worked outdoors. Um, I'm interested in Catalina Island because I don't know that much about it. But um, I used to work in a place in college called the Boundary Waters Wilderness Canoe Area. It's a million acre uh, canoe park, no motors allowed, uh, about 10,000 lakes in there. Um, and and then I worked for a municipality outside of Milwaukee as an arborist. Uh, so climbing around, swinging yep. around in trees. Uh, and then I kind of made my way into the race directing world via Ragnar around 2015. Uh, Did you I, race Ragnar first? No, I had no idea what Ragnar was. Mm. Actually, what happened is I transitioned from the public sector uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin to the private sector when we relocated to Salt Lake. So 
so really what happened is we knew we wanted to move out west. We took a year off. We went and hiked the Appalachian Trail, um, spent five months hiking Like that. the whole thing or? Georgia to Maine, yeah. The, You're a three-hiker. Yeah, yeah. Complete. Two, yeah. The whole AT. Yes. Yeah, Congrats. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Hey, thank you, man. Oh. Um, it was cool. And my wife came with me. Um, Even, and you're still married. Yeah, yeah. So that's a task. A lot of people break up on the trail early on. But um, but yeah, so I think what's happened career-wise is I've always revolved around, and you you said it pretty well, of like, well, you can buy your you can buy your time. Yeah. Or you can find a way to center your time and 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 uh put your time into kind of being tied to the outdoors in some way. And I think for me at its core, I've just realized that whether it's a physical job or helping people express themselves outdoors, like it, it is a way that allows me to kind of stay centered myself, you know? And, uh, so that's, that's always been the goal and it's fun front and center. Um, in kind of in like where we live, I always have access to a trail close nearby, whether that's an urban trail, which happened in Milwaukee, um, or we live right up against the wilderness like we do here in Ogden. And then, uh, career wise. Yeah. I mean, ideally, because we only have so much time. You never know when you're going to get hit by a bus or taken out by a seagull. Um, it can happen, man. Ideally, you would surround yourself with those things that yeah. inspire you. Um, like a place without seagulls. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, I understand going to have that. to change the title to this particular episode. To so. the birds? Yeah, the yeah. birds. <laughs> yeah, it's very, getting, getting very Hitchcockian in here. Oh my you know? God, so. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And so do you find that, um, because this is the other struggle, is the outdoor industry and the arts, uh, oftentimes there's not a lot of money to be made depending on what you go into. And so are you satisfied as far as the income goes and, and the amount of money you're making and living with? Yeah, but it's not always a straight path to the money. I think that's what, when it comes to like the arts, as somebody who was a advisor for art, wannabe artists, like, you know, art, uh, undergrad art students and things where it's wannabe, but future artists, yeah. future artists, what they want to be artists. Right. Yes. And, uh, that path is not always like straight. I use myself. You probably use yourself as an example. It's a, it's just a lot of ups and downs, a yeah. little roller coaster thing going on. But, uh, I think if the drive is there, and if you're flexible enough to find, um, for me, it was uh, art adjacent jobs, art related jobs. I have been fortunate to almost entirely have art related jobs my whole yeah. life. And it has gotten is more. Your, I didn't realize your only OnlyFans was art adjacent. My what? Your OnlyFans. It's art adjacent. It's art adjacent. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good money, dude. Uh, I, that I'm sure. Yeah. 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 yeah and. Uh, you know, you can hang whatever you want in the backdrop. So yeah. a great piece of art. <laughs> Any of this like familiar fans? Yeah. Any of this in here at the back? I like that. But they're like, wait a second. Wait. That's the same trailer that. Yeah. <laughs> could be a well-executed <laughs> tattoo that you're showing off, you know, could be anything. Oh my God. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Though. No, that makes sense. Uh, I think, it, I, you know, I think what's interesting is, and, and I'm a little lucky in this regard, that, you know, the interesting thing is like, luck, hard work, and, and, and kind of a little bit of vision to drive yourself in the direction you want. They all come together, you know, right. Um, and it's hard to decide between which one is responsible for whatever, but, um, and they kind of all are, but the uh, Nicole and I, my wife and I, you know, I think through a series of events, we've known each other since middle school. Uh, and so we've been a team for a long time and it's, I think we both came from, uh, 
a, a lesser means than we have now. And that instilled in both of us, and I've seen it fuel people the opposite way. But for us, mm-hmm. what it did was it gave us a pretty clear path of, you know, one, to kind of be scrappy, but two, like how to play with our funds and, and you know, three, to make space for those things that we enjoy. Um, and so- you Budget well. Yeah. And when you're saying, you know, you had mentioned, Todd, like, I think kind of willing to maneuver or, you know, move around and make things work. Um, I think the way we've went at it is like- we live within our means well enough to um, pivot and adjust without it being prohibitive. You know what I mean? So so if I had to, I could jump out and change jobs yeah. and still keep the lifestyle. And so you figure out, and this, and this does come from a place of privilege to some extent, you know, but um, we've worked our way into that place of privilege. But you figure out like, what is, what do I need in my life? Mm-hmm. And then how do I keep that in there? You know, I will say and, privilege isn't always a, a bad thing when you've worked sure. to get there, you yeah. know, uh, yeah, yeah. which is, which is great. So, uh, what does your day look like at goal? So the goal foundation, um, is in Ogden for those who are unfamiliar, it's a, it's a nonprofit. I mean, you can explain it, explain it better than I can, yeah. but it's, but being from Ogden and not working there, it, I just know it as a, a force in this community to produce events. I mean, it's just, it was built originally around um, the the Olympics, yeah. I believe, uh, for volunteers and stuff. And it's just done great things for so many years that we all here, around here, are all very familiar with the Go Foundation. And so, well, you're from out of state yeah. and new to it. How was yeah. that? And then, you know, now you work there and, and what do you actually do on the daily there? Yeah, it's cool. I mean, so goal, like you'd mentioned, I mean, it is definitely like a pillar, one of many pillars of the outdoor uh, community here. And, and even in terms of like giving back to the community, it, it, it is a pillar in that regard too. And um, yeah, formed uh, right around the Olympics. And I think that the, the kind of original intent was, and this kind of happened all over the state, you know, which was interesting to see. I actually coached a cross country ski team in park city for a while. Um, and same kind of nonprofits exist there too in the outdoor world, basically leveraging that volunteer base Mm -hmm. that was created for the O2 Olympics. Um, And so to go, okay, how can we leverage all this energy, all these volunteers that were brought Mm -hmm. in and then kind of apply it to the local communities that were impacted um, and, and continue to bring kind of outdoor experiences to the community at large. And so goal was formed based off of that. And then the Ogden marathon eventually fell kind of under their purview and their execution. Um, and now here we are going into what I believe will be the 23rd year of the marathon next year. Uh, and the operations manager is essentially the functional race director of the event. So, and I say that with an asterisk because it's at goal, which is a nonprofit, we've got six employees total and, and then a huge community, uh, yeah. including all the civil services in the area that help execute that event. And we're really stewards of it. And so we just work to build it out. And so I manage everything from, you know, permits to cones, to toilets, to uh, lead volunteers, to timelines. Um, and a lot. So of- was this 2023 your first one? Yeah, this was my first one. You yeah. did so good. You yeah. were organized and you had in your you sent out communication. Yeah. So that's yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting in coming from the Ragnar world, um, it, and, and those races are built to be 
kind of execute it at a high level. And you either do it at a high level or it doesn't work and you move on to a different job because what happens at, at uh, Ragnar events is they're, they're essentially the trail runs I was putting on their two night events. And mm. so, um, so man, the logistics just keep going for two and a half days. Yeah. Okay. Before uh, we get too far from yeah, it, go ahead. Uh, we have to address one thing that's very, very important. And that is, uh, the, the toilet situation, right? And yeah, so, please. Tell me what it Glad takes to up. put together the, the porta johns. What do they call them? Porta potties, the, the toilets for an event like the marathon. Yeah. Like how, how many toilets toilets are we talking? Um, how far ahead do you plan this out? What are the logistics of toilets in a marathon? Yeah. Well, if my this one, is very important. If, this one, is what if one of my best if about. one of my best friends, another race director, Steve Adderholt, was here right now, um, who <laughs> That's shout out to thing. Steve. If, well, he yeah. would say, "Hey, don't start talking about poop with this guy uh, <laughs> because I'm pretty good at talking about poop." Um, so you open the door, but yeah, toilets uh, at something like the Ogden Marathon. I mean, we've got uh, over a couple hundred of them, and so do you do it by like there's five thousand racers, so we need. Like, is it a numerical value that you, like, is a math equation that you can figure out? Yes and no. I mean, the problem is, is, is. Because you figure someone like Brandon's probably going to use it twice as much. Yeah, you never know. As for instance, say yeah. somebody yeah. else. Well, it's, it's, it's the dip, the multiple start lines. <laughs> and then we have them along the course of the water stations. And then we have them at our finish line festival. But at the finish line festival, we've also got flushers. So that introduces with the amphitheater. And so that introduces Ooh. a different calculation because yep. flushers, Classier toilet flushers can take a little bit more if they're not sure. septic. Sure. And so there is a formula that goes into it. That being said, it always needs to be tweaked. You know, and one of mm -hmm. the things we need to do for next year based upon this year's results is up that historical number at the mm. full start line yes. and you may understand this because oh you're my standing gosh okay there so i'm glad i'm line. glad we're talking about this and many people in this town and many people who fl fly in from out of state will appreciate this i it must have been it must have been um i don't know because the, the buses drop them off right yeah there weren't very many buses that have dropped off runners before the line was already circling itself and you're looking See, the problem is the buses there's vibration in the buses as be, they're riding yeah. up it's stewing the pot of all these individual <laughs> yeah. intestines yeah. here they're ready to so, go as or a, it's got to be some kind of anxiousness oh yeah or well it is it is okay so it's a combination because um it's cold yeah uh you drink a lot of water because you're Overhydrating, probably most of these people that are probably drinking too much water and too many, and then you re, and then also they've maybe done this before or have been told or saw read a blog where it's like as soon as you show up you get in line for the port potties like that's what you do you show up and you get in line and so the line was immediately circling itself like the spiral jetty out here like <laughs> and it looked like that in the holding area of and I and I went to find the end of the line and I couldn't find the end of the line I'm like this is this is crazy and that's yeah. where I immediately thought Attention, I don't we're going to have to delay the start of the race <laughs> yeah. well that's when I thought you know what I don't think they all have to go I think that's just what they do I think they just so, get in line because by the time they get in to the bathroom they're just going to go, yeah, right? It's, you know? a, it's a placeholder. It's a yeah, placeholder. They're planning yeah, on going. Totally. And no totally. doubt they're working, like they're doing that core work in line, like trying to like shake <laughs> things up, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. You know? So yeah, but so those numbers change over time, you know? I uh, it, That's one thing that we'll improve on next year is we will have more 
toilets at the full start, whereas mm-hmm. the half start for the most part seemed to be pretty adequate. Uh, we just won over a lot of people yeah, by you saying yeah. that. Yeah. Come, yeah. come on out, Those guys. people that know that line, yeah. because anybody who does a summer of festivals, music festivals, I mean, Ugh. anything that you do, a toilet can ruin, or it can also just like, you, you, you forget the experience, or it can ruin the experience, is just the, you know, however they play in the toilets. <laughs> Yeah. And the shape of the toilets by the time you get to them. Well, I love that we're talking about toilets. This is the reality of a marathon though. It really it is. is. Well, and here's the reality of, of a nonprofit like Goal, which is an amazing organization, but like toilets along with a lot of other things are pretty expensive. Mm. And so like we're playing with these like finite numbers essentially, mm. you know, and, and that's a change for me coming from a little bit more corporate world where it's mm-hmm. like, no, nah, we understand you're going to have double the toilets or whatever. You're going to have 1.5 times what you need and mm. we're budgeting for that. But yeah. there's a finite pool of where those resources can come from. And so we really are, uh, it, you know, from a, from a- Are these proprietary costs or can we talk costs of toilets? What's it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's in case Todd needs one later. I yeah, yeah. I well, always wonder. I was, because yeah. especially when you're talking nonprofits, yeah. you know, you're working with the shoestring. Yeah. But you also know the importance of these things. Yeah. And so I don't even know if it's a percentage that's devoted to that when you budget things. But also I thought there was like, um, like in order to pull a permit or something, don't you have to have like certain things in place, like porta potties and a certain amount? They'll have have numbers of of toilets and stuff like that, but they don't fit like the participant satisfaction standard. A hundred percent. They don't. Yeah. Right. right. Um, So they're, yeah, they're fulfilling. The legal recommendation and the the participant recommendation. And, and it's so different. It's like you're saying, like people are riding up on the bus and they're, they're preparing to go to the bathroom, to evacuate themselves so they can run lighter, you know, um, for the beginning of the race. And so, the the time frame of when they all want to go that's what's so intense you know mm-hmm. it's like man you could probably triple the toilets up there and still see a decent line um just for for a shorter window of time okay wait well, so we're, this is good so the cost per toilet would be what yeah i guess we're probably coming out to somewhere between 75 and 95 bucks a toilet okay so uh what would be amazing is if this isn't possible, by the way, because of the logistics of that road. But but you are so correct. At the start line, they use them all within an hour. Yeah. To two hours at the most. Hour, hour and a half. And then that's it. They're yeah. just sitting there all day. There's 95 times whatever, however many. They're just sitting there all day. And it would yeah. be nice to pack them up, take them to the start line, and yeah. reuse those damn yeah, things. Yeah, about but, there. Yeah. It's tough because a lot of the cost that works into it is just the man or people power to uh, maneuver those things and move them. And so, and then once you set a toilet down and it sees any use, they're not going to lift it and move it until they pump it. And that pump yep. costs something yeah. too. And so- um, We're learning so much It's today. funny, man. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think there's a lot that- um, that I think participants like wouldn't think necessarily goes into it or that you just glaze over like in any industry. You know? We've talked about this marathon- Dozens of times over the years, and this has never come up. We have never got appreciative this far. Yeah. But it also means that never got this deep. I'm not joking when I say I would love Banyan to sponsor a toilet. And we could choose the location. We put a little sign, yeah. this toilet sponsored by Banyan Collective. We're in. Yeah. We're in. We'll buy a toilet. <laughs> I think Tell we could get mile you, marker. We could get you in a cool spot, you know. Can we do it at the start? I mean, I can I'm announcing at the start. And so yeah. maybe we could just like 
I'd like to see the length of the line for that particular. It could line. be your personal. It might be toilet. my. <laughs> <laughs> I ha- I take the van, so I actually uh, I can cheat. Your own so personal. I have my own yeah. personal. Your own bucket. That's probably it's a uh, it's a, it's a toilet. No, oh, it's okay. black water. Everything do the whole thing. Ah. Uh, it's flush. It's flush. It's an eighty-seven. They went full flush back yeah, then. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but if we sponsored a porta potty, Todd, that might set a trend to where you could get more businesses in town to sponsor porta potties at the start line. Maybe hundred bucks here and there. Hundred bucks yeah, here that's and there. What it takes to make you know? these things happen. Yeah. I love that we could set a trend for sponsoring porta potties. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, well, most people wouldn't give the shout out, but you know, the other, those unnoticed pieces, they're only noticed when you don't have enough of them. Um, most of those people are some of the hardest working people in the events. So mm-hmm. like we contract with this company, United Site Services, they're amazing. And, oh, hundred percent. These guys come out like they've, oh, they've yeah. singed all the hairs in their nostrils straight out of their noses. So they don't care. They can push these things <laughs> Jeez, around. They move yeah. around. They don't care. You yeah. know, they're immune to the smells within the toilets and, uh, and they are out there working hard and they, and they, they work with us. You know, the cool thing about the Ogden Marathon, and this speaks to kind of the community, the greater Ogden community and the Goal Foundation, is that this is really an event that everybody in the community wants to see successful. It's one of those magic pieces of Ogden. You know, even when you extrapolate to van sessions and everything you guys are doing here at the Bonnie Collective, I think the community wants to see everybody successful. And uh, and and because of that, um, back to the OG question of, you know, how it's been coming into goal. It's really cool to step into a community that just, just, you can feel the support of, of those around and everybody wants everybody to kind of be successful and express themselves in their way. And that's, I think that's been the coolest piece. It's just coming in and and meeting the community and, and feeling that positive support. That was like a seamless, amazing trans. I was I think about these he things. Brought How it do back. we transition yeah. between this to this, right? Yeah. Seamless transition from Portage on Toilets to Ogden Community. You did yeah. a fantastic yeah. job. So thanks for finding that thread. Well, it was it's not too long ago when Ogden <laughs> would have been thought of as, you know, <laughs> the porta potty oh, yeah, of bam, Utah. Bam, bam, now bam. I never thought of that, oh, but it's now a, that probably came from us at yeah. some point. <laughs> yeah, that's just collectively. Okay. Thank you for that. Wow, look at that. And on that note. Uh, do you consider yourself an elite runner, Alex? Yeah, I think I run with elites. I have a hard time like kind of touting that standing, standing alone, like on my own. But, um, but yeah, the truth is, is that I am and, um, you know, currently, and, and it's fun to, it's fun to just explore that, you know, uh, it's funny to break down the numbers and look at it and go like, a lot of times I beat myself up and go like, God, dude, you're so close to like, you, you, and maybe you're past it now. Maybe you're three years past being able to get like a paid sponsorship or something, but you're so close and you just, you just like, can't do it, can you? Or whatever it is. And you're kind of, you get in these, mm. you, you probably, everybody has these things that we beat ourselves up about, you know? We're elite podcasters. That we're always yeah. looking for that next eye. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but when you step back and look at it is, um, I guess- <laughs> I, I do sit up there and I should preface it with the sports, not really that big, you know? So that, well, that's me. just it is it's funny because you're like, I'm this close to, to what exactly, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because that industry and that, that particular sport of what ultra running sure. you say, yeah. is, um, how many people make a living doing that? Yeah. I mean, that's, that is an interesting question because people hold it close to the chest. That's mm. how small it is. Um, but in the U S uh, 
hundreds. Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. know that it extends to that next zero, you know, so it's not huge. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's fun. It's fun to, I think. But it's I, not like USA track and field or something where, where it comes with gold medals and, uh, national recognition on that sort of, it's sort of just, you just become somebody cool within the, that particular culture. I mean, it, it doesn't get too much into the mainstream yeah, or yeah. covered by big outlets. It's right in that like transition period where like, yeah, I, I don't think that there's a, a proper way, although this is transitioning. Um, I think I have to burp here. So excuse me. Right. I don't think there's a proper way quite yet. We just to, cut away to Todd. And, yeah. So. There we go. Okay. To cover, um, to cover those types of events, uh, in a way that is enticing and dramatic as something like the, the strong man. Yeah, or the strong man's on TV. Yeah, anybody whipping the the forty ton stone, or the yeah. you know, or even just like the hundred or two hundred meter crossfits on TV. You know, yeah. Um, but you're seeing that there are companies that are are really doing their best to live stream events and yeah. to, and to put together great footage. There's um there's a big release <clears throat> company called Aravipa uh, running yeah. out of Arizona, and and they do a really good job covering events. Do you um, think like UTMB would be like who would be the first? one of the first events to really like maybe somebody would cover. Yeah. I mean, well, UTMB is certainly working in that direction and you know, the deeper insight behind that is Ironman bought UTMB mm. and the transaction finished last year and they're expanding kind of uh, a worldwide feeder system for that main event, which is UTMB in, in Chamonix. And I, they do a great job covering it. And it's, it's the thing is, is that in Europe, this sport is covered more. So I went over and raced UTMB last year. Um, and you know, only a couple from Ogden. I've yeah. There were a couple yeah. from Ogden. I went over and got my butt kicked. I think I took, uh, 113th overall. I was 16th American. Um, but this is in a race of a few thousand. That's people. amazing. That's um, so just, cool. It was cool. Um, yeah. but here's, what's really cool crazy about it is you're running these epic ridges and having epic climbs and you you crest a ridge and like and and well okay just to start the race right like you're you're sitting in a race and there's a few thousand people behind you waiting mm. to start too which yeah. only happens in non-trail events but yeah. here you are at what they call the super bowl of trail running and it's happening there well then you start in this town and it's a few miles through town and there's throngs and throngs of thousands of people, kids, like, and they're all going nuts. Ale, ale, ale. Wow. They're all high-fiving you and stuff like that. And you're running out at like a 530 mile, you know, mm -hmm. on a 105 mile race. And you can't help yourself because- Because the adrenaline and just everybody else is running that fast. Yeah, Killian's two guys up, like these yeah. big names in the sport, but then everybody's just jacked. But yeah. then you climb a mountain pass and you drop into the next town. And there's thousands and thousands of spectators and they're doing the same thing. I mean, I, I think must that started with all the, the bike racing in Europe, you know, and it's just transitioned to the that, trail that, running. That passion. Yeah, yeah. That passion I think has, has kind of parlayed itself into the sport. And, and what I realized there though, I was there, we spent a few weeks there, but I was there 10 days before the event. And as I was moving around on the mountains, the one thing you realize is, first of all, they got restaurants up on the mountains. So there'll be these yeah. 60, 70 year olds <laughs> hiking up and then they're eating a steak, you yeah. know, up at 9,000 feet. Um, but in general, at least the people in the mountains culturally, uh, 
they're moving like mm. at every age, you know? And I think because of that, they have an understanding of maybe what it takes to do something like the UTMB race, which is a 105 mile race around the Mont Blanc range. It kind of follows this famous, uh, through hiking trail that a lot of people do. Um, and, and I think they just, they just have a deeper, a little deeper appreciation, you know, mm. um, every town that we would drop into, it was like wild, man. People be eating on the streets, even later in the race when you're kind of spread out, you're running through and, you know, as it's getting towards dusk or getting towards morning, somebody's eating their breakfast there on the side of the trail, a little outdoor restaurant. It, it is just bizarre. Like it almost no, feels so Americans but, don't do that at yeah, all here. I mean, yeah. they don't, they are not lined up to watch ultra runners. Yeah. Maybe in cool, some places in Colorado yeah. and stuff, but it's just not a thing. Right? Well, my point is, is like, so even, even there were people that were out just, I think like just eating, you know, normally like euros do they're eating mm -hmm. outdoors in a mountain town. Yeah. I didn't remember this one guy, you know, kind of, uh, not a super fit guy. Um, he's off to my right. I'm coming down this cobblestone road. I watch him, you know, like set down his fork and his knife. And this feels weird to me as like a self deprecating guy sits down his fork and his knife, puts his chair back, stands up. And he claps as I go by, you know, and he's doing that for like everybody. I don't think he's there to watch the race, but somehow he has this kind of respect and reverence for what people are doing. And then, you know, you kind of get like hyped by that and a sure. little emotional. So it's cool. So, and the other thing that happens, which I was kind of getting into is in terms of coverage is like, you start climbing these ridges and, and you, you're coming and you, you begin to kind of hear what's going on on the other side of the ridge and, and you get up there and this chopper comes up and they're filming you out of this chopper. Rad. I, I think there are 25 helicopters out there filming Unreal. the race. And yeah. the, the, so the scale of how they cover it is just a different deal. Um, but yeah, I guess to bring it home, you know, it's going to be UTMB or um, you'll see larger hundreds like here. The problem is the scale deal, right? Yeah. So at UTMB, you can have a few thousand runners. As a race director, yeah. I know what we're running to in the States and why it's not getting so huge. And that is, and this is not a negative, could be a positive, is the Forest Service. You know, you have a race like Western States capped at something like 260 runners or something mm, like that. Yeah. They run through what is now a modern day wilderness. Mm -hmm. They'll never be able to have more runners. Mm. It's tough to have more. Because the Forest Service caps it. Uh-huh. And it's tough to, for impact reasons, it's tough to have more than a few hundred runners in an event. You'll see some that get okay, up to Okay, so then how can they run Mont Blanc with thousands and in, in the impact is minimal? I'm assuming, like, what's Well, the I, you know, I haven't dove into how their permit system works, but clearly there is a difference in the way that those- Because they're uh, able to push thousands through those mountains and yeah. it's- Yeah, and that's a difference in permitting structures, mm -hmm. you know? So I, if I had to guess- I would say, oh, okay, well, they've got a little more relaxed vibe on how they tread on their lands and the impact that they have, you know? And, and the other thing I should say is there's a lot of great wildlife out there in Europe, but, um, but I think, uh, for the most part, it, it you know, those Euro you're not dodging grizzlies and those European mountains. Yeah. They've, yeah. they've been picked a little more clean yeah. than, than yeah. what's happening out here. And, sure. and all of that stuff is, is pretty amazing mm -hmm. in the States that we have that. So, mm -hmm. so it's tough to reach that level of stoke, I think, because we just can't get that many participants because uh, mm. we're not allowed to, and maybe we shouldn't be, you know? Um, okay. So your dream profession, would that be like just running all the time? Or do you have to do, do you have to have a job to go to? 
do I like? Do I personally? No, just like need yeah, like, like yeah, yeah, like for, yeah, yearn? yeah, to, yeah, for the uh, the mental part of it, I guess. In other words, if you could grab enough sponsors to where you're like, hey, you're like full time ultra runner, would you still be like, uh, I'm gonna need to actually have a job? To yeah, uh, no, I think what would be really cool is you know you leverage something like being able to have uh, some sort of low level career in ultra running or or moving to. Uh, well, I like communicating. So like I would, I would always want to interact and inspire people to pursue whatever their version of movement and the outdoors and inspiration, like whatever that is for them. Mm-hmm. I think that is what is, uh, that's what drives me. You know, podcast and, host. Yeah. Know. Podcast host yeah. can do that. Um, and, uh, and I do mess around with that a little bit, but not at the scale that I should. Um, but what it, that's what brought me into race directing. I think mm-hmm. at, on a naive level in the beginning, I thought, Oh, race directing, you know, like I'm going to get to interact with all these runners mm-hmm. and, and really present them with, you know, these opportunities to go out and kind of have these moments that. Yeah. It's all administrative, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, what, oh, what, it's what, tough, man, it's a tough job. Yeah. What I like is the relationships and you realize very quickly, Oh, I actually love the relationship with my toilet vendor and my barricade vendor because those are the people that you <laughs> yeah. work with. Yeah. You know? And this is, there's the comparison yeah. every now and again. It's nice to see these comparisons between say arts nonprofit and an outdoor nonprofit, because that was a point that I came to at some point. So I'm a artist, a printmaker. And so I focused on that particularly was when I was in school and uh, somewhere along the way, I learned how I could affect slash, advocate for artists at a significant level. Like, I mean, I could affect the lives of hundreds of artists as opposed to just focusing on the artwork that I was doing for me. Right. And so that was incredibly satisfying slash like I need to do this. Right. And I, and I needed to do that. And I, and I feel that now that's why, you know, with the position I have now with the arts council down in Salt Lake city, I can affect the lives of artists at, such a significant level, very similar to what you're doing with the runners. Yeah. So not only am I inspiring them, but I'm also helping them do what they want to do. I'm, I'm helping fund their activities. I'm helping represent their activities, get their work in front of other people, you know, but at the same time, it's that, you know, there is a handful of us collectively out there that needs to have that passion as well. You found a better balance as far as, running every day and the administration work. I have dove much deeper into the administrative side and I need to find a little bit better balance for my own personal artwork. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. it's, it's always about finding that balance. But at the same time, I think it is important that there are kids out there that also are driven to want to, you know, kind of hold the reins of, of a race or in my case, you know, running a gallery space or something like that that is really equally important. And so when I talk to say an undergrad art student, one out of a hundred, one out of a thousand that might be interested in curating as opposed to maybe representing their own artwork, you know, they want to support other artists. I am equally jazzed to try to encourage that and support them on that, you know? And so I, I see a nice little comparison there as far as finding that balance Yeah, and the passion. Like I definitely have, it's not sexy, but it's all about the relationships as well. I, it may not be uh, the toilet guy for me, but at the yeah. same time, you know, <laughs> there are elements 
there's a lot of elements that come together and say putting together a, a new exhibition or something like that. Yeah. Know? And so I, you know, I'm very happy at the, at the place that I got to, but it, it took some time. Well, it's cool that, that, that you, um, that you have comfort in that and you see the value in that. I think sometimes there are times that I struggle with something like that. And it's not necessarily that I'm like the faceless or the nameless guy, but you do wonder because you only have so much bandwidth, you know, you go like, well, what am I just like, did I just like, was I a little lazy or scared and not take the full leap into the personal endeavor, you know, or, you know, you wonder what, levers you could pull to kind of have your greatest impact, you know? And, um, so it's, it's, you're actually inspiring me right now. You know, it's, 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 there are people that need to hold space, you know, for other people in that certain endeavor, that kind of that topic or that passion or that art form, um, to, to, allow those other people to get out there and express themselves and kind of find themselves, you know, so they in, in turn can kind of inspire others, you know? Um, so that's pretty cool. I think that it, it, there are some similarities as far as artists. Brandon and I are both on Ogden city's arts advisory committee. There are plenty of artists that know the channels of say funding. There's a, so there's a certain amount of funding you can get through the city, but I have a feeling that, that there's, so many others that are unaware of how to go through those steps yeah. or they're unwilling to go through those steps or they're, they're not able to, I mean, it's a combination of all of the things. And so my goal every year is to include the same people that we address every year, but I'm not as interested. I, I'm going to whisper this in them as much as I am introducing what we're able to do to, brand new artists in this case, yeah, right? Yeah. You want to get new runners out every year, yeah. right? It's, it's fun to see the same faces at each of the races, but every time you see a new face, I'm sure it gets you even more excited. Yeah. 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 I, I think, you know, the thing is, is that like it, I consider movement, uh, and, and this is debatable, you know, um, I consider movement an art form to kind of tie it in a little bit, sure, you know? Sure. Um, and, uh, I think anybody that we can get out onto a course that, um, that puts themselves in a position, which draws them, you know, outside of their head, but also back from the thoughts of others and brings them right to the present where they're really challenging, like where they're at, uh, it, we've put them in a position where they can begin to find like what their path is in life and they can begin to go, Oh man, that was amazing. I need to make more space for this. And it, sometimes it could be through a run, and that they're going like, I realized that I need to spend more time painting or whatever their passion is, you know, because it just, it gives them the space to get out of the past and future thoughts and worries and hopes and dreams and, and just go, Hey, what do I want to be doing right now? You know? And that is, it, it's, it's why I like moving and it's kind of why I encourage others to do so. Um, Anybody who doesn't think that movement is not an art form, all you have to do is look up John Denver ski dancing. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yes, yes. Uh, it was I thought you were going to popular say in something the 70s. else, but okay. Oh my uh, we, god, we have uh, oh. we have referenced many, many oh. videos. Yes, um, of of the art form that was ski dancing. Yeah, um, there's you have to brilliant. wear. There's also the there's also canoe clothes. dancing. There's there's the same yes, deal. They're totally. I'm seeing it. Yes, it's yeah. amazing. They're good. I'm oh. so. I'm so glad you brought back the canoe because in my head, okay, so 
So I did work three summers on Catalina. One of them was about six, seven months. So I, I essentially lived out there for a little while. How and big so, is this island, man? Give me the lowdown. Okay. So square footage, I couldn't tell you. It's 26 miles off the coast of okay. like Long Beach, yeah. right? Um, you could circumnavigate in the course of a couple of days. Like, I mean, you could probably do it in a half of an afternoon. Sure. <laughs> but um, a small island. it is a self-contained, it has its own school system, its own fire department. Um, its own system of government, essentially. But that being said, it is also, gosh, I can't remember. It's been it's been a little while since I was over there. Let's say multi-year, 15-year wait list for like a full-size vehicle. And so transportation wow. is in the form of like golf carts out mm-hmm. there. So okay. everybody, for the most part, has golf carts to get mm-hmm. from one part of town to the other. And so you're you're not doing a lot of driving, but if you do want to, say, get up to the middle of the island where there's like an airport on the top, called airport in the sky, I believe. And so, um, I think that, uh, what was I getting at with, with this? I don't know. But your question on this? I don't know. Yeah. Dang it. I shouldn't have asked oh, you to describe shit. the Island. But we totally lost it. Yeah, well, yeah. No, no, no. We'll get back to yeah, it. Yeah. You were, you were, because, oh, it was the golf cart and it was the, it was the canoes. And so the canoes, when you yeah. said that I lived in Michigan, which was the land of a thousand lakes or yeah. whatever they called yeah, it. Yeah. Right. So where was your, your canoe world? Um, that was up in northern Minnesota, right on the okay. boundary of Ontario, above Lake Superior. Okay. Yeah. Understood. And so I definitely can relate and understand the level yeah. of lakes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you so in my up. head, though, I also <laughs> oh, <yeah>. pictured, <laughs> I also pictured um, because there was police golf carts. Yeah, was, buddy, that's what I'm talking there about. There was like the everything <laughs> miniature, <laughs> like little mini um, fire trucks. <laughs> That were small. There was the little mini FedEx trucks. No. Right? Wow. Um, because the roads are not built for full-size vehicles, not for the most mm. part, right? And so I pictured in, in Canoe City, where you lived for a while. Yeah, yeah. I could just see security slash police in a canoe. Oh yeah. my God, brilliant. Um, I, yeah. could, I could <laughs> I see, love it. I could see a, like a little fire boat, like in a canoe. <laughs> if the requirement was a canoe, then you have the restraints of a canoe. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That's so, all you can build out. So if this is not true, my expectations, I, I still, I don't want you to correct me necessarily, yeah. but I picture that in my head. Yeah. Where essentially everything is happening via canoe. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is for the most part. Yeah. Float plane occasionally. Oh my God. That's I, it makes me want to see Catalina Island though. Yeah. Because. You need to go check it out. And it's a very historical space. That's the, the, the Wrigley's own that. And there's like the gum, called, the yeah, gum people. Yeah. And the, okay. the owners of like the, the baseball team, the Cubs and everything. And so they used to have, uh, in fact, they're, they're they made that much money off there. gum. They bought cattle. cattle. Yeah, and the, there it's, were it's gum very, wars back in the day. <laughs> that was a big deal, dude. Yeah. Very historic space, like old Hollywood, like old Hollywood, mm-hmm. right? Used to go over there, and it was kind of glamorous. But it was every man's island. Like anybody could kind of go over, and uh, and these days it's a little bit more on the as cities do. I mean, as it sort of evolves, where it's a it's a little bit more expensive to go out there, yeah, but more bougie. It's a little more bougie, but. Uh, it is classic visit. Um, it's a historic space. There aren't as many seaplanes necessarily now. Uh, when I was up in the inside passage up in Juneau, they were just littered with seaplanes, and I love seaplanes. So yeah, I'm glad you yeah. brought up seaplanes. But anyway, we could talk about so you went up water there, activities forever. Yeah, you were working out there as like a young guy, or when were you? Uh, there? It wasn't all that long ago. Oh, I uh, okay. I had a small. He's still spell. a young young. Yeah, man. Well, he yeah. looks young. Yeah. And so there was a spell there where I would open, uh, essentially train the front of house for uh, 
for, I did two cruise ships and I did some restaurants and I did a hotel and, and so I would train like the front of house. And so I think that that's where, you know, my first introduction, it was a, a close friend of mine had, uh, just started at a restaurant there and they needed some initial help. And so I had just finished up or was just finishing up the Alaskan cruise ship. So I remember cutting that short. Um, and I, and in this case, that's a whole other story. I was happy to kind of cut it short by a few weeks, my contract with them. And I flew from Juneau to, to long beach with the same clothes that I had. So I had no summer gear oh, at all. Right. Yeah. And then I got to work like the next day. And then I think it was right around that time. And I wanted to mention it before the show was out today that many of you do know, or, or you've may heard me mention that I was lucky enough to live and work in, uh, in Marrakesh in Morocco for about seven, seven months or so, seven or eight months. And so just my heart goes out to Morocco right now with this earthquake and the fact that I think the death toll is up to about 3000 right now. And this was about 40 miles Southwest of where I lived in Marrakesh. And so Marrakesh has suffered some fatalities and some of these thousand year old walls, these, you know, Imperial walls are destroyed, you know, and it's, it's Ooh. just tragic. It's so, so sad, but the epicenter of this earthquake was in uh, the the high Atlas Mountains, which is an area that I visited three, four times, mm. go hiking around. And that's where thousands of people have died. And yeah. these villages, you know, many of them built just earth and clay and sticks and, you know, and so they're not obviously going to withstand that kind of abuse. And so it's, it's, it's tough every day to, you know, to, to know that's happening over there. Anybody I knew over there, direct friends, acquaintances, colleagues have, you know, sort of checked in and they're, they're safe. But at the same time, it's, it's like, ah, these things are happening globally. I'm yeah. so glad I was able to visit when I visited. But now of course I have this connection to that area. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. yeah. It's just super- another one of those crazy, crazy yeah. stories that I, I check off in my past. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool, man. I mean, not the. It's cool that you've 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 had a lot of adventures. You know, it's cool to. Hear He's like that. the Indiana Jones share, of podcasting. We yeah. could share many yeah. more, but sure, Catalina. This is a nice little plug to you. I think that would be a nice sponsor for us as well. Yeah, is Catalina Island? It's definitely worth visiting. Uh, you just take a visit. Yeah. Catalina's listening right now. Visit yeah. Catalina. Uh, yeah. Probably there's one or two friends of mine that do listen occasionally yep. out there, yep. but uh, great place to visit. Um, there's essentially two sides of the island. Uh, Avalon is where all these great hotels and restaurants and everything are. And then kind of the other side of the island is uh, this two harbors where you you go camping. It's a little bit more rugged and that's yeah. probably where you'd hang out. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, definitely worth a visit. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a, it's a fun trip over. You could make it a long day trip. I would make a weekend of it. Yeah. Sounds cool, man. Yeah. That awesome. would be fun. We'll have to make a collective trip out there. That would be a fun visit. I would love yeah. it. Can we... Let's get the seaplane lined up. Yeah, get got to get the seaplane yeah. lined up. Uh, seaplane would be a little trickier, but you can take a helicopter over too, and oh, that's nice. a fun trip too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alex, pleasure having you on, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm, feel like I got to know you guys. This is a better, good side so where we just keep talking and talking. I know. I, I mean, we. Sh- I could keep going. Did you? Didn't you win? I'm wearing a skyline shirt. Did you win? Did, did you come yeah. in first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was yeah, fun. That's all. Yeah. Um, and I think you know. Uh, to anybody that that is moving out there and racing and doing these things I, real quick you know skyline um is a good example of this is it, it was a it's a cool local race and um and yeah i won the race but i what was really cool about it man you asked about like about you know 
how, why you do things or are you satisfied with your job or would you rather just run or would you be a pro athlete if you can? And I think, you know, we struggle about these things when we're young because people say like, well, shit, to make it, you got to be a pro athlete. You got to be a professional artist, mm -hmm. man. You know, you're an artist when you're getting paid for your work and you're not doing anything else. And in, inherently, like we know that's wrong. We know that, well, yeah, that's wrong. That's not right. Like being an artist is just me expressing myself and, and working on myself um, or being a runner is just running, you know, and now in my late thirties, I'm starting to realize like, well, I, I, I kind of am a professional runner. Nobody's mm -hmm. paying me, but I'm paying myself to do it. Mm -hmm. And it is a continued mm -hmm. process for me. I dedicate a big portion of my life to it. And, and, and I guess what would be cool to those listening that are moving, that struggle with like, Oh, what do I want to be? Or how do I make it successful or whatever? Is that, you know, just follow what you're doing, continue with that and, and be an example of that person that you seek to be. And you kind of are that person, you know, and with regard to skyline, uh, you guys were there at the finish line, you were there. And, uh, you know, I had these kids from Weber state chasing me the whole race yeah. and, uh, they're fast guys, super fast guys and, and young, young guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, well over a decade younger than me, you know, probably 15 years younger than me, which is crazy to think. It's funny how time goes by. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it, there I am, uh, setting an example going like, look, like you, you, you guys are crushing it and you can crush it at my age and you could probably take it further than me. Um, and that in itself, I think individually, those that, awesome. you, those that you inspire around you at every level, those people are there. You know, sometimes we, we don't see those people we inspire around us because we're always looking at the stars going like, well, shit, I got to make it there first and then I'll inspire people. Mm -hmm. But they're around us now, right? And so you guys at your high level of podcasting, but not the highest, but very high, don't get me wrong, are inspiring. <laughs> what kind of high are we talking yeah, here? <laughs> inspiring legions of people, right? And and I, it's a battle though in our culture individually to realize that like, you don't always have to make it to whatever you consider the top rung. Like focus on the rung that you're at and- mm -hmm. That's great. And advice. explore that passion. And, and, and this is, you know, that's this how you is do great. It. I'm so yeah. glad you're pointing this out because every now and again on the show, I will definitely point out, and we get a, not nearly enough, but a handful of people each year that'll sort of take, take me up on this or take us up on this. And that is if you're in the arts, if you're in the adventure, if you are into doing anything you're doing just a, a little bit more, right? You do have to put yourself out there just a little bit more sometimes to get in touch with that next person or maybe that next ex inspirational activity or whatever. And so Brandon and I and every guest that comes on the show, including you, of course, we put that out there every time. And so if you're interested in doing a little bit more in the arts in Ogden, for instance, and you're listening to this show and you've, you've always wanted to get just a little bit involved and you don't know how to do it, you don't have to show at the art gallery next weekend. You could just shoot us an email. Mm -hmm. You could just show up at one of our events or at the same time, you could reach out to any of the guests we've had on the show who is also there for you. That sometimes that's the, that little extra inspiration that you need to just get a little bit more involved because it's a little bit trickier to go at it alone. You can still do it alone uh, I was told this to all of my art students where you could, 
you could go through those four or five years, however long you're in school alone if you want to, but you're robbing yourself of this opportunity to just get in touch with a little bit more while you're around these sort of like-minded people. Yeah, you got to take so, advantage of that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we grew up on these ideals that it's all or nothing. And it sounds cool. You watch Rocky Four, and you're like, get him, dude, you know, <laughs> like, like destroy him. But it's yeah. not. It's just, it's just be you, follow your passion, yeah. and make space for it. If you can only make 10 minutes and I can make three hours a day. Yeah. There's probably going to be a difference in performance, but that doesn't matter. It matters mm. that you're making space like for you, you know, and, and that's the key, you know? So, um, yeah. Where'd you get, how'd you get so deep? Where, where, I don't know. I felt go, like you were you wrapping have some it issues up. in your life. Yeah, like, what I, got, <laughs> I got issues, but okay. I think you're wrapping it up. So we probably don't want to yeah. talk about it. Uh, okay. we'll, um, we'll invite you back. Yeah. So don't you yeah, worry yeah. about it that. It felt like, you know, you were rapping and I was like, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, if it's a story, like we got to end let's on get something. There. What would you title this podcast? Yeah. Um, what, what, how would you summarize this? The lessons we've learned today? Well, we'd have to include the seagull, obviously. Yeah, Shitting be. seagulls Shit bird. and follow your dream. I don't know. Like, what, how do you? <laughs> maybe, maybe we forget about the seagull part. Let's it's, focus on the dream brought, part. Brought, yeah, seagulls, toilets, and adventure, you know? Okay. I think it's, it could be any of that. Fair enough. Todd, any arts? Uh, or, uh, um, I do want to talk just for a second because it's I want, fresh. I want to say thanks again. To, no, please go ahead. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Look at this professional transition. We want to make sure I address this and then this. Yeah. And so I don't know if you were able to uh, pop in on Saturday. Uh, Oka and the Monarch had a block oh, yeah. party that was fun. on Saturday. So I wanted to chat about that just for a minute yeah. uh, because we were involved. We supplied, I say we supplied, we supplied a venue and the we, means. We supplied a van. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So we invited some uh, musical friends of ours. Let's just say that, yep. right? And they were fortunate. We were fortunate. They were fortunate. This is a great place to hang and to play. Mm -hmm. So we had a, a lineup of musicians from 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock. I would love to chat a little bit more with Vanessa and with everyone else that that ran essentially the rest of this That's block party. That's a good party. idea. I should ask, see if they can come on in a couple weeks. And so we can talk about that. Yeah, but that yeah. being said, I know that we have wanted to have more events like a community block party mm -hmm. uh, for quite some time. We had a block party, I think a little bit further up the street, not too long ago. Oh, yeah. um, for me, a block party is like coming into fall. So it was a little warm mm -hmm. the other day, but that being said, you can't predict the weather out right. here by, by any means. But did you have a good time on Saturday? Well, it was great for me because when we do van sessions, I'm in, you the, van. Stuck in the van. I'm working the whole yeah, damn yeah, yeah. time. And, so, and I'm hustling, talking to people. That's yes. usually my thing. Yeah. And it was just, and I was telling people, cause, and, and, and in fact, when I was talking to Vanessa, because she's like, hey, can you, can van sessions provide what you, this is the same conversation I had with Gold too. I'm like, yes. However, I would like to enjoy it. So for a, like at the nut, we're going to be there, but we're not, we're not, filming like we do at first Friday. It's just a little different so that right. I can actually enjoy the venue and, and have fun. And then that's coming up in October. So mm -hmm. and we didn't talk about that, but, but Cole is in, in, in figured Eric in, covered in, it. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. Good. Um, Northern Utah trail series for those interested at, at North Fork park, look it up the nut. Uh, so, but I, I had a blast because I was able to actually go on the other side in the alleyway and listen to the musicians and holy crap, it's such a great venue and it's so fun to just, Hang it was out, good and to see it yeah. out and about that day. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. But it was a nice turnout and it was something that it was the first annual, the first annual anything. 
in it's a learning August. lesson for yep. you know season two. So hopefully they do bring it back next year. I didn't realize how little you could hear the music on 25th street. It basically fills the alleyway here at the Monarch and then that's it. Like you can't hear it out there. And I think that there was some connection to tying us in. Why is that with the beer garden? Why do they always associate us with beer and with alcohol? I don't understand. It could be that we're drinking right now, but I think that that was the connection, but it also means that we needed speakers on 25th street. And then we also need to tie into the speakers down at, uh, the Dumpy Arts Plaza somehow. They've got these incredible speakers oh, down there do, that yeah. we could somehow tie into those, mm. we'd be in. Mm. Or we have separate bands that are playing down there yeah. on top of up here. Yeah. Whatever okay. we choose to do, it's something to think about. I love okay. that you guys are talking just full on logistics now, you know? That's a couple you of know, events. Racer, well, no, it's, it's event what organizers we do because here. when we, it is an event. Yeah, yeah. It no started doubt. as a podcast yeah. and it's turned into an event. And... Boy, I don't envy event organizers, man. It is a tough, tough job. Yeah. When you run um, an event like yours that's outdoors and it's an outdoors in the spring in Utah is, oh boy, you, there's there's a lot that can happen. Um, and yours is multi- multiple because you've got the, uh, and I don't know how much you you do the, uh, the packet pickup side because that's sure. an event in yeah, itself. I mean, that's a whole a huge, huge, huge event. Yeah. And then there's the actual race and there's the after parties. I mean, it is, and it does, it takes an entire team. Like you said, um, you sort of, you explained it really. I love the way you explained it actually, how you're, well, the words you use, but you sort of, there's a lot of community help involved. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you're the yeah. facilitator, yeah. right? And you provide yeah. the common language, yeah. you know, or you work to, you know, for sure, but it's tough. We were outside at the union station in a van shoveling snow. I wasn't shoveling snow. I was in the van with the heater. Todd's outside shoveling snow. And just so that. Yeah. Standing like five hours on ice. Yeah. Standing five that's hours what we on do. ice. That's what we do. Yeah. We brought out our own fire pit and, and three people would show up and, uh, and the person who didn't have a home at the time walking seven by, years later, you know? look at this. And, the, and, and that's how, and we did that. Yeah. We, we grinded that for a long time for musicians and we have those recordings still, which is, which are fantastic. And when we end, we always end with the band session, so we'll, we'll get there. But it, now it's it's evolved slowly over time into an event. We have to think about these things because there are people who show up and it's like, how do we keep them entertained? So October 6th, uh, Case actually grabbed uh, an author from, uh, that'll be here because of the Utah Humanities Book Festival. So mm. he is from uh, basically the border in, in Texas. Uh, Ruben De, De, I can't I can't pronounce his last name appropriately, Degalado. De um uh, and he, he does a great thing with his writings as, as a novelist. He switches between languages a lot within his novels. Oh, um, cool. And he will be here to do a reading during First Friday Art Stroll uh, in between bands. And then, because I was parked in a van on 25th Street in Ogden, a person just randomly came up who happened to be a comedian, a traveling comedian, a touring comedian. He lives in Orem, and he was fascinated by what we do. He's like, I want to I want to be involved. And so the first Friday that fit his schedule will be in October. And so he will do a 20-minute, Arvin Mitchell is his name, the comedian huh. Arvin Mitchell will, will do a 20-minute set between bands of comedy. Yeah, wow. Which is crazy. So this is a show that we produce now for Ogden and, and First Friday. Crazy. Wow. What are we pretty doing? Awesome. I've got one other thing before we say goodbye. I wanted your opinion on this because I know I've teased in the past 
where I'll start skiing when there's one resort, right? When I could just pay oh, a one pass right yeah, for a resort. Yeah. And I think we're getting closer to to allowing that to happen, basically, you know. And so uh <coughs> and so I read about uh this this has nothing to do with that, but did you know that uh Smuckers everybody knows Smuckers that Oh, they're buying Twinkie. They bought Hostess. Yeah. I, I, one guess is to a number because numbers don't mean anything anymore. Well, like, it's billions, but I don't know how many. Thirteen billion. Uh, five point six billion. Five wow. Bucks, right. Five point six. And so, Hostess, as we know it, we've known in our entire life, will be. They'll keep the name, but it will be Smuckers it'll Twinkies. Be no more. Smuckers, Smuckers Ding Dongs. It'll be some c- connection of those two mm. words. Talking jelly-filled ding dongs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, these are the things that show up at these races, though. Is this is sometimes food like these? Yeah. Yeah. But no it was doubt. it was just more and more of oh, we're God. just we're focusing everything down to when it's there's a oh, movie yeah. called uh, yeah. uh, Demolition. Was it Demolition Man? Demolition Man. Do you remember Demolition? Man? I do. Is that Arnold Stallone and. It was Stallone and uh, Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. Oh, yeah. Wesley Snipes. Anyway, they address at one point the the fast food. It Good takes job, place in Alex. the future. It takes place in the future. They they quickly address the fast food wars, they call them, right? Mm. And so all that's left is Taco Bell. So yes. Taco Bell. Yeah, they're sitting down for fine yeah, dining. But Taco Bell is fine dining. Taco <laughs> yeah. Bell is fast food. Taco Bell is everything, right? Yeah. And so every time I read stories like this, Smuckers, I'm just like, I don't so re- I didn't remember that about yeah. that movie. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. funny. Yeah. Wow. It's true. Predicted it's and it's happening. And I, I think that with the ski resorts, every time well, one buys Netflix, another one too. The Netflix guy, it was Netflix, right? He just bought powder. Was well, he had a hundred million of it or a hundred thousand, yeah. whatever that, that, uh, the that major, majority owned. Majority owned. Yeah. Majority owned. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, we make fun of, what's the other company that buys all the resorts? Mm, uh, Gosh, the they have the big ski brand, right? Yeah, um, for a, not bad. Uh, we'll know it. We'll know it soon because it'll be that one name. Yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll have a one pass. A one pass. Uh, all right, for adventure news, I'm heading to Yellowstone. We talk, we do Yellowstone news all the time. Ah. I'm actually going there Saturday, so I'll be there. What's the weather going to be this weekend? Beautiful, high yeah. in Cold? the. Well, the lows in the high thirties, believe it or not. Every oh, I night, every completely night, believe it. High thirties, which I love. We've we've been snowed on in Yellowstone in early. You go about September. this time of year. Normally, we go actually in October, early early to mid October. Can it, it, right now is basically perfect because if we're lucky, the colors are changing in the leaves, but it's also the elk rut, and they're very active. The bears have not. Um, necessarily started to den, you know, they're, they're trying to get their last berries in, you know, they're, they're stuffing their belly before they, and then when you go in October, mid to, you know, early to mid October, the ruts winding, winding down, uh, the bison aren't as active, the bears are starting to, to hibernate, you know what I mean? So that's, it's a so lot September is so. a better time to get your, uh, buffalo selfies. You can actually pet the bison in September. Oh, that's yeah, right. That, wow. They allow that yeah. only in September. That's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. Don't do it, Vivo. Uh, <laughs> so that, you have oh. an adventure weekend plan too? You going to, going to <laughs> I Zion? Don't know or? I have probably more of an art, artistic plan this weekend. So I think I'm just going to oh, listen good. to an artist on Friday and Saturday. So. I'll be in Steam- When's your next race? I, this Friday at noon, I'll be in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, hey. r- running a 100 miler. Um, that starts at noon. Which and one? It's called Run Rabbit Run. Yeah, I've um, heard of it. I've heard of it. But it's yeah. interesting race. Yeah, there's a it. It'll be 
it'll be an experience. You chase you know? rabbits. Yeah, they have a tortoise and hares division, so it's kind of this whole theme. Amazing. It's, it's the highest paying race in the in in the if you sport, place or in what? The sport. Yeah, they pay out fifteen thousand to, oh. to, to the first place male and the first place women. Hell yeah! And then they pay ten back, and then they have a team component where you can randomly pair up with a member of the opposite sex, and then the lowest combined time between those teams gets like a preem, like an additional 2,500 bucks or something. So it's kind of fun. So um, you got a chance? You can take this thing? Yeah. I mean, it, there's some heavy hitters there. Yeah. And there's some heavy Utah hitters there too. You start too. putting money. Yeah. Yeah. There's some big boys there. I mean, the thing is, is a lot of people get drawn over to UTMB, which has no prize, but it has prestige. Yep. Um, so they're out. But mm. the people that hold out. And uh, so for me, I'm running Run Rabbit to 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 run it as an experience. It's also a qualifier for uh, Hard Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, necessary. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll be in the mix. Good uh, luck. That's awesome. Yeah, it'll be fun. It, it's, it has those lows in the 30s, but most of the race, and that's Steamboat, which is, yeah. sits at like 65 or 7,000. Yeah. Most of the race is above 10,000. So it's um, it really has the makings for... Like I'm more and more going like, damn, it could be cold out. Uh, like, what's the, the highest altitude you've had a steak? Um, they had a steak. Yeah, you mentioned oh. before in one of your races these these old men at eight, at eight thousand feet having a steak, and it made me think, what's the highest you've eaten? I don't know. Yeah, the I've man, a steak. Had some food. Uh, a steak is next level because yeah. I've had treats at like thirteen. No, I mean like a yeah. meal, yeah. like a yeah. meal. Well, okay. if you consider ramen a meal, I've had ramen ah. up at twelve to twelve to fourteen, <laughs> and in my family, I, I do consider that a meal. You know? <laughs> it's not a steak. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I was. Are you eat- just like always ready to run hundreds? You're like just couched well, hundreds because the, you're always training. The, uh, yeah, this is the A race. So this is like That's this, the A race. This is the okay. race of the season. Okay, you know, so everything so, else is yeah. training. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It'll be good. God, yeah. good luck, man. Well, yeah, we're amazing. looking forward to hearing about that. Yeah, sure. I'm. I. I uh, I'm looking forward to. I'm sorry, I missed out on that block party last weekend. I got to get on the calendar here with you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Thank you, Banyan One, for powering today's episode of Ogden Arts and Adventure Show. Listen and subscribe to Ogden Arts and Adventure on YouTube. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, thebanyancollective.com, the Podbean app, actually, for Android and iPhones. And the Banyan Collective just started producing a new literary podcast called Check Yourself. Shelf. Your Shelf. Check, Check your, your shelf. shelf. There was another one out of Alabama. Don't listen to that one. Okay. Listen to the Utah Humanities Check Your Shelf one. Uh, there's two episodes out now. There will be more because it is in conjunction with uh, the Utah Book Festival presented by the Utah Humanities. That'll happen every year. So that is produced by the Banyan Collective. Um, that's Todd and myself, which is very good. Check you want to be on the show, DM us on Instagram. This week's Outdoor Jukebox, I'm taking it back a little. You know, we're going to go back to a little future ex-boyfriend who was on the show months ago, and this is called Golden Light, and we'll see you on the next Ogden Arts and Adventure show.
Boyfriend on Van Sessions.